TII, item 268, May 16th, 2013. We're really puzzled. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by the TII app, the official app for the Today in iOS podcast. Search for TII in the iTunes app store. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeffrey for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jeffrey wrote, Hi, Rob. Here's a track called Force I made using GarageBand on my iPhone 4S. Regards, Jeffrey. And you can find me on Twitter at, at JeffJ6. Thanks, Jeffrey, for the music. And folks, I'll try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Shannon for sending in the artwork for today's show. Shannon wrote, Hi, Rob. This is my first attempt at supplying you with an album art. I took the picture of my satellite radio in my semi with my iPhone 4S and added in the frame and the text with Yo Doodle. Regards, Shannon in Fountain Hills, Arizona. Well, Shannon, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Shannon's artwork in the TII app and the extras for episode 268, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com forward slash today in iOS. As always, if you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device and you would like to share it with the audience, please email it to todayinios at gmail.com and please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They? We have the following quote. Quote, but when it comes right down to it, the BlackBerry Storm will be the superior mobile device and represents a true iPhone killer. Unquote. Andrew Hickey, Channel Web, 14th of November, 2008. If I had a nickel for every smartphone that has been called an iPhone killer and failed miserably to live up to expectations, I might have enough to buy one share of Apple stock. Just saying. I would like to thank everyone that sent in emails for the iRig Micast mic, and for those that tweeted about it, an extra thank you. We have our winners. Here is a recording of my wife helping me to pick those winners. All right, so we're going to pick some winners for the iRig mic cast. Uh, first up, we're going to pick the two winners from the people that sent in the emails with iRig in the subject line, or iRake, or iRig, or iRaid, which a few people got the names wrong, but I put you in just the same. So I got my wife, Karen, here. Hi, everyone. And we had 114 of the people that sent in the email, so go ahead and click right here and give me a random number, Jerry, let's see who the first one is. Go ahead and click that. 13. That makes it easy. You don't have to count too far. And 13 is Dave B. So Dave B, I will be getting in touch with you. So you're the first winner. And let's see. Go ahead and let me see. Go ahead and click and give me another number. Okay. Get number 27. Hey, that's good. I was born on the 27th of November. So that's a good one. So let's see. And that would be Aaron and Aaron is his emails a Aaron in Tampa. There we go. So uh, Dave and Aaron, congratulations! And then we're, we're going to go ahead and pick the ones from the people that actually did the tweeting. All right. Now on the Twitter side, we had 29 people that entered uh, that did a tweet to mention uh, the the iRig I might cast. So Karen, go ahead and give us the first one. Uh, number 11. So there is David, David David D. Okay, so I got your David the dot stranger, and I won't give the rest of your email out. Congratulations, you're one of the first winners. Now let's go ahead and let's pick another winner. Number two. That makes it easy. That's easy to count to. And Chris. Chris C. From Oganagan Falls, British. Okay, okay. And Nagan Falls, British Columbia. So congratulations, Chris. And now we're going to go back and get one more winner for um, the Twitter group. Oh, Kanagan Falls. We, like, slaughtered that. Number 25. And that one is going to go to JMBW. 
Congratulations, you're the last winner of the iRig mic cast, and I'd like to thank the guys at IK Multimedia for supplying those five, and folks that won, I will be emailing you, actually have already emailed you by the time you hear this, um, and uh, we'll get your addresses so we can get those guys to mail out those iRig mic casts. Enjoy. And of course, this whole segment here was recorded with the iRig mic cast on the Boss Chalk app. Thanks again to all that sent in emails and tweeted, and for IK Multimedia for offering up the five iRig MicCast mics to give away on the show. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev, email me. If you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment, there is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com, and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating you are the dev, also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. If you don't have promo codes to give away, or if your app is free and you still want to get a review of your app on the show, you can just send in the 60-second or less review of your app. Again, making sure you mention upfront you are the dev and we will work it into a future episode of the show, just not at the beginning of the show. And make sure you put up front you are the dev. Say who you are. If you don't and you send it in like someone did yesterday, you don't get on the show. No soup for you. Make sure you mention you are the dev. And now into the news. Seems the ATF, that's the U.S. Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Well, the ATF is having issues unlocking iPhones and iPads. Actually, by difficulty, I mean they can't. And even when checking with other law enforcement agencies, could not find anyone able to unlock passcode-protected iOS devices. So, they needed to submit the seized devices to Apple to crack them. Seems that Apple has a three to four month backlog of devices from law enforcement agencies from around the world that need cracking. I bring this up not to encourage drug dealers to get an iPhone. They already know about this. Plus, Apple will crack them eventually, so it's a moot point. But for those in the business world, if you have sensitive data on your iOS device, you can rest assured the data is secure, assuming you lock down your iOS device. Per Android devices, well, I guess law enforcement agents just give those devices to their teenage kids and ask them to unlock while they're eating dinner. Just saying. Some people have too much time on their hands, thankfully. And one of those people is at Fortune, and he looked at the number of tweets about the Galaxy S4 during the first four days of its launch and found there were 230,000 tweets. Compare that to the iPhone 5, and it had 2.9 million tweets during the first four days after it launched. So over 10 times the number of tweets for the iPhone 5 versus the Galaxy S4. But wait a second. I thought, after reading all the blogs and tech pundits, that the S4 was so far out in front of the iPhone 5 in popularity and, and desire. What's going on here? Well, guess not when it comes to the regular smartphone users. Also, Many of the 230,000 tweets that came out, they were from bots that sent out fake positive tweets on the S4. Ouch. The article in Fortune also talked about where in the world one did better than the other and the reach of those tweets. But really, the key takeaway is that the iPhone, any new iPhone, gets much more attention than any other new smartphone, regardless of what some tech bloggers and talking heads would have you believe. A little over a week ago, the Pentagon cleared some Samsung and BlackBerry smartphones for use on DoD systems. However, the iPhone was, at the time, not cleared. Now comes word from a Pentagon spokesperson that sometime this week, iPhones running iOS 6 will be cleared for access to DoD systems as well. So if you are someone in the U.S. government that has such good security clearance that you really know what happened at Camp Hero near Montauk Point... And if the Knicks and the NBA really did rig the 1985 lottery by freezing the Knicks envelope, well, now you can enjoy an iPhone 2. Or at least you should be able to once they announce it this week. Hey, Rob, it's Gary Belts calling back again. I just listened to your latest podcast. Wanted to follow up with Beth, who was having the problem with the stalker, apparently by her description of the person that keeps texting and calling her daughter. Email is a great service and the ditched call will work. I don't know if the 
who argue application, which is also made by them, will also work on an iPhone, giving Apple heads tight restrictions about things accessing its phone part and everything else. But it throws up a little caller ID screen that also makes the person have to show who their number is. So if the jerk tries to block his number so it comes up anonymous or whatever, it'll force him to show the number. Also, just keep in mind that even if she does have his number and text block, he can easily go buy a $20 or less prepaid phone at Walmart or any other stores. I really think the police may be the ultimate goal in fixing this problem if he keeps persisting. Anyways, keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye. Gary, thanks for the voicemail message. Staying on the subject, hi Rob, per blocking text messages and calls, this might work. AT&T has a way to report spam text messages. Forward a text message to 7726. As for blocking phone calls, I have a blank ringtone that I assign to the phone number. I have made a phone book entry. Yes, actually entries for so far with 17 numbers for each. Entry name is listed as blocked caller. The ringtone is a blank three-second ringtone. Vibration is set to none, and text tone is none. They will still get through, but no ring, no vibration, or text tone. If they call or text while you are on the phone, you can see blocked caller, and you can press ignore. This should also help. The phone book entry will also show the frequency of the calls on the recents, and then tap on the greater than on the entry to see this information. Regards, Thomas and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Thanks to Thomas and to a few others that also sent in the same feedback, same idea of using the blank uh, phone for the ringtone or the bank ringtone for the callers. The biggest issue I see with this, however, is that if you are listening to a podcast or music and a call comes in and say your iPhone is in your pocket and you hit the play pause button to stop the music or podcast, not realizing that a call was coming in, it will actually answer the call. Awkward. Okay, granted, the probability of you hitting the play pause button at the same time a call is coming in is not that great unless this person is calling over and over and over and over. Back into the email bag on this. Hi, Rob. Sight delay to listening to the last show. For the mother that wants to block calls and SMS for her daughter, I blacklist if she is jailbroken. One word, I blacklist. I do not use it, but watched a video on YouTube about it. Seems to do the trick. Regards, Chris in London. Chris, thanks for the heads up on iBlacklist. I want to thank Lori B. for the heads up on the email she received from AT&T, where they are offering a straight-up exchange where you give AT&T your iPhone 4S, and they give you an iPhone 5. This is just an iPhone 5 16 gig version, that is. Essentially, they are giving you $200 for your iPhone 4S, and you then get the iPhone 5 for that $200 and a new two-year commitment. Hmm, let's see. Is this a good deal? Uh, no. Not unless you got the iPhone 4S in the last couple of months, that is, and it is a 16-gig version. But if you got the iPhone 4S when it was first released or within a month or so of when it was first released and it's a 32-gig or 64-gig, best not to take them up on this one you'll soon be able to upgrade for a low price uh, or you can upgrade already for the low price. So basically, you already can upgrade to an iPhone 5 if you want for $299 and keep your iPhone 4. And when you do that, your iPhone 4S can then be unlocked and you can sell it on Craigslist or eBay for more than $200. Heck, you can sell it on Gazelle for more than $200 already. Granted, not much more, but still more nonetheless. But Craigslist is probably where you want to do the exchange. And you want to do that exchange in front of your local police station. You know, that's kind of what I always say is the best place to uh, meet someone for Craigslist in the parking lot of your local police station. And uh, by the way, only take cash. Never uh, take a cashier's check. That all said, with the next gen iPhone coming out in the next three to four months, it's really best just to wait for that anyway. This is Bruce in San Jose, and wanted to let you know a couple things. Uh, you had a listener maybe two episodes ago asking about a, an iPad app that would be sort of like a dashboard, various widgets, and I think that there's a brand new app 
It's actually called Dashboard, all one word. It's really nice. It's kind of got a combination of fairly easy to use features and uh, you know also some customization. Uh, I have mine set up. It'll display the calendar, the time, the weather. Uh, you can have it do an RSS feed. I also have it showing the most liked photos on Instagram and Flickr. So, um, yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, so check it out, dashboard, all one word. I uh, also wanted to let you know uh, maybe about a month or ago, I called in complaining about Stitcher that all of a sudden it wasn't working at all. So I tried it again, and uh, everything's working beautifully. Uh, it's doing exactly what I want it to do, and I love it. Great, great show, Rob. Please keep it up. Thanks again. Bye. Thanks to John for the heads up on this next one which is confirmation that Apple has begun the rollout of two-step verification system to at least 13 new countries. If you are in Argentina, Austria, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Italy, Pakistan, Poland, Portugal, Germany, Mexico, the Netherlands, and Russia, you all have users that are reporting the appearance of the new two-step verification. These countries join the U.S., the U.K., Australia, Ireland, and New Zealand. For those that forgot what the two-step verification process is, it deals with when you sign in with an Apple ID on a new device, you are prompted to enter your password plus a four-digit code, which is originally set up on a trusted device. Of course, you need to set this up ahead of time, which you do by going to appleid.apple.com. Then select Manage your Apple ID and sign in. Then select Password and Security. And then, under two-step verification, select Get Started and follow the on-screen instructions. Switching gears. To say there was some pent-up demand for the iPhone at T-Mobile would be a very accurate analysis. Considering T-Mobile sold 500,000 iPhones in less than three weeks, which is pretty good when you remember that it is 500,000 unsubsidized iPhones, that just makes it really impressive, especially when you consider the iPhone 5 was seven months old when it launched. It will be interesting to see what the full quarter numbers turn out to be. Staying with T-Mobile, so how well are sales of the iPhone going at T-Mobile? Well, they're going so well that they actually just upped the price by $50 to $149 for the down payment for the low-end device. Actually, they raised the price by $50 across the board for the iPhone. So device pricing for the iPhone 5 at T-Mobile with eligible plan is $629 for the 16 gig, $729 for the 32 gig, and you guessed it, $829 for the 64 gig versions. Like I said, a $50 price increase across the board at T-Mobile for the iPhone because, well, sales are not sucking and T-Mobile is testing out the price elasticity charts to see how they can maximize their profit. Or as they said, the original $99 price was a promotional price, which they forgot to tell anyone beforehand or before they changed it that the other price was promotional price. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. I'm sure it has nothing to do because sales volume of the iPhone at T-Mobile does not suck. Now, if you are one of those on T-Mobile with an iPhone 5 and you want to have faster network speeds for your data, good news. At Joe012594 and at CoolDayR2 have been doing some hacking. And what they found out is they can increase your connection speed quite a bit. They hack the carrier update. I will not even remotely try to explain how you can get this hack. Other than to say, if you are on T-Mobile, you have an iPhone 5, you may want to check out the article titled Hacked T-Mobile Carrier Update Boost Speeds in the show notes for episode 268 over at todayinios.com. Captain Obvious was out in force this past week on a bunch of blogs, and oops, well, now on this podcast too. And what we're talking about is devices with iOS 7 are showing up on server logs for sites just a month before WWDC. Shocker! This happens every year, at least a month before the new iOS is revealed to the world. Per those with server logs, one service, OnSwipe, released some info on what iOS 7 users were doing, such as finding out which turntable to buy or looking for info on Apple's stock price. Because have you seen the price of some of those vintage turntables now? Yep, you'll need to sell a few shares of Apple stock to get a good one. 
what's going to be very interesting is to see how much time iOS 7 gets in the WWDC keynote versus Mac OS 10.9 versus any other announcements. My guess it's going to be a two-hour keynote. Ten minutes goes to the opening. We are great recap type stuff. One hour goes to iOS 7. 30 minutes for Mac OS 10.9. 15 minutes to some hardware bumps on laptops. And then five minutes wrapping up how great everything is that they just talked about. That's my initial guess for how WWDC Keynote will go. After WWDC, don't forget to remind me how far off I was. Of course, if I nail it, I'll make sure to tell you. From way, way, way out in left field category comes the rumor on the next-gen iPhone home button. Seems some sources in Taiwan were talking to Tech News website. That's the name of it, Tech News website. And they said the next iPhone would come with a sapphire crystal capacitive touch home button that would incorporate a new fingerprint sensor. Uh, yeah. The fine folks over at iMore had a nice photo comparison between the iPhone 5 camera and the HTC's One camera. And what they found is the iPhone 5, in most cases, took the best quality photos with one key exception, low light. That, as I've recently said, is the area I most hope Apple improves on in the next-gen iPhone. Starting to get excited for the next iPhone, actually, as I am now one month away from being able to upgrade for my upgrade date. My upgrade date is June 16th, so I'm getting close, I'm getting close. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. BBM, BlackBerry Messenger, is coming to iOS. Why the heck would they do this? I don't care for BBM. I have an iPhone. Do you see Apple pushing iMessage to become available for Blackberries? Regards, Sharday A. Hi, Sharday. I think it's interesting choice for Blackberry to do this now. Uh, this had been rumored for years, actually. Guess they finally figured out at this point they need to do whatever they can to make their devices and services work with all iOS devices in the workplace. Otherwise, companies might just give up on Blackberry altogether. Per Apple, if they are not willing to put iTunes on Windows 8 RT, I definitely don't see them porting iMessage to any other platform. Actually, even if they did port iTunes to Windows 8 RT, which could be a moneymaker for them, I don't see them moving iMessage over to any other platform anytime soon. The whole idea behind iMessage is to get people to encourage their friends and relatives to get iOS devices as well so they can better communicate with one another. Hey Rob, this is Mike from San Jose, California. I wanted to ask your advice. I am eligible. I'm on a family plan and I'm grandfathered in. So there's actually a couple of lines on our plan. One I think is available now and there's another one that will be available I think in July. And anyways, I know there's speculation and rumors and, and, and people are getting their hopes up that there will be a new iPhone 5S, I'm assuming. And I wanted to know how likely is that that a iPhone 5S or just a new iPhone, whatever they call it, will come out July, August, September. Because what I'm hoping for is if I get a new iPhone between... Maybe I should wait till the July time frame. If something comes out after that, how likely is it that I'll be able to exchange it for the newer model? And how does that work? Do you get to exchange within 30 days or is it 90 days? Or how long do you have to exchange for the new model if a new phone comes out right after I get one? So basically, I just wanted to know what are your thoughts on when a new when or if a new iPhone is coming out anytime soon this year or uh, speculation that it might come out in late, late at the end of the year for the holiday season, maybe Christmas gifts, something like that. So I just wanted some advice, some direction, because uh, there will be a couple of lines available for upgrade on our family plan within the next couple of months. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts are before I pull the trigger and end up regretting it. That's already happened to me once with a previous iPhone and with my MacBook Pro. So I'd try to like to avoid that again this time. All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. I look forward to your re response, feedback, and speculation. All right. Bye. Hi, Mike. I would suggest waiting until the new iPhone is announced, whatever it's going to be, the iPhone 5S, iPhone 6, 7th gen iPhone, whatever you want to call it. iPhone 2013 is what I like to call it. 
If I was going to put percentages on the chances of it coming out between now and the end of the year, I would go with a 1% chance of it being in June, a 2% chance of it being available in July, a 4% chance in August, an 82% chance in September, a 10% chance in October, and a 1% chance in November, and 0% in December. And if I did my math right, that adds up to 100%. Now, why such a strong percentage for September and then a little bit more into October? Well, because Tim Cook said on the last conference call, nothing new until the fall. Again, my recommendation, if you're listening to this show, you are really into your iOS devices. It doesn't make any sense at this point in time to upgrade to a new iPhone 5. I mean, the only reason you would upgrade at this point in time is if your current iPhone was broken or destroyed. But if you have a working iPhone, matter of fact, even if your iPhone is broken or destroyed, I would go on Craigslist and buy a used iPhone 4 at this point, or even 3GS, just to tide you over until the new iPhone comes out. Really think you should wait. The camera is going to be improved from where it is now. I mean, that's got to be the biggest area of improvement. I really do believe that. And I'm hoping against hope it's around the low light issues. But again, you're going to really hate yourself if you upgrade now. I think you're going to really be happy that you waited until the iPhone 2013 is announced. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I noticed somewhere along in iOS 6 updates that my iPad mini only, not my iPhone, on several applications, the pop-up keyboard covers the text entry box and time and date wheels. For example, on Facebook, when making comments, the keyboard covers the message. I'm trying to type and I'm flying blind. This also happens when typing messages in words with friends, when entering times and dates in the reminder app, I have to close the keyboard to reveal the spinners. I would really appreciate any help. Regards, Matt S. from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Hi, Matt. On the iPad, you can move the keyboard up and down. Make sure you have the keyboard set up so that it is docked and in the lowest position. In the lower right on your keyboard, when you have the keyboard come up, in the lower right key on it, tap and hold that little keyboard symbol. You should see it give you two options, dock, or split. Select dock and it will move down. If it's already docked, then your choices will be undock and split. Choose either of those and see if that helps. Back to the email bag. Hi Rob, I just purchased an Apple TV and am very disappointed by the Wi-Fi connectivity. I'll be returning it. Regards, Tash. Hi Tash. Make sure you have a good Wi-Fi router. My Apple TV works great now. Previously, my Wi-Fi connectivity was also very poor, but I upgraded to a Linksys E2500 router, and now it works great. Also make sure the one you have is not one of those that Apple is replacing, the third gen uh, Apple TV. Apple had some issues with some serial numbers. Um, They could not even connect uh, via Wi-Fi, or it would constantly drop out. We mentioned that back on episode 265, right at the beginning of the episode. Well, after the promo code segment, that is. Again, the router that I use and I'm having good success with is the Linksys E2500 router. And if that one's not available, check to see what uh, Linksys put out to replace it. Because it really does work great with my Apple TV. Back to the emails. Hi, Rob. Per Gmail contacts on iPad, like your other users, I use CardDAV, one word, on both my iPad 3rd and iPhone 4S. Works great. Per passwords, I use msecure, one word, on the iPad, iPhone, and Windows 7 and Windows 8, and it syncs via Dropbox. Great app, not had any problems with it. Regards, Ed in Staffordshire, UK. Hey Rob, it's Pete, Boston area. Also, I was going to call you back and uh, give your users some feedback about uh, episode 266 and 267 where someone was asking about how to set up contacts via Google and somebody had replied on how to do that in uh, episode 267, which um, I was going to call and say there's a much easier way using an exchange account um, until I started reviewing some of the facts and found out that that's been end of life and uh, it was just a shame that was a sort of a one stop you set up the you didn't use the Gmail um, account option uh, or the uh, other you would just select exchange and type in m.google.com and a bunch of other stuff so 
it was a little clunky, but it worked perfectly. It would allow you to sync everything, and including your calendars, and you could sync multiple calendars in different colors. And very slick. So they obviously moved my cheese. So I'm wondering how to how that works now, and because uh, I'll look into that. But hopefully, uh, uh, you know, anybody that's using the uh, Exchange account, it sounds like it'll and they'll they still support it. They're grandfathering it to some for some period of time. Uh, I guess I'm curious how long and uh, how well the new method works. If I find out, I'll let you know. Hi, Rob. Per the Google Sync tip, Exchange Active Sync will be disabled for free Gmail accounts. If your users are paid Gmail users, they will still have the option for Exchange Active Sync. Otherwise, they do need to migrate out to CardDev. For existing free Gmail users, they should continue to use Exchange Active Sync on their iPhones that they don't wipe and restore or remove the account and try to re-add up until July 31st. If you want to send your users somewhere to figure out how to set up calendar and contact syncing with Gmail, send them to this site. It does a clean job on how to run through the whole process. Regards, Francisco. And folks, look for the link in the show notes titled Setup CardDAV. And that will be the show notes for episode 268 over at todayinios.com. Everyone, thanks for your feedback on setting up syncing with Google Calendars and Contacts. This next one comes to us from Bridget at Orker PR Firm, which is a Kickstarter project called KeyProp, one word, which is an item that looks like a key that can be used to prop up your iPhone. But since it looks like a key, it is meant for you to put on your, you guessed it, keyring. That way you have it when you need it. How this works is with an iPhone 5, they have one part of the key that plugs into the lightning port, but for iPhones that are version 4S or older, you have another part that plugs into the headphone jack. Either way, it helps prop up the iPhone in landscape mode, so you can watch a movie or Netflix or some other video on your iPhone. Plus now, if you're out at a restaurant and are distracted by the Hooters girl and someone grabs your iPhone when you're not looking, they can get your keys and your iPhone in one fell swoop. Costs for the key prop are $15. They have until June 1st at 3 a.m. Eastern Time to hit their goal of $30,000, for which they have only gotten about halfway there. Which is interesting because I thought their goal of 30 k was about two times from what it should have been. Remember, folks, keep the goal targets down to a bare minimum. If you are interested in this, search for key prop one word over at kickstarter.com. Oh, and for the 15 bucks, you also get a free download of their self-timer app. This way you can prop up your iPhone with the key prop to take a timed photo with their app of you and your significant other when there is no one else around to take said photo. Thanks to Mark H. for the heads up on this next Kickstarter project. And it is for those of you with an iPhone 5. It is called... Xterra, spelled X-I-S-T-E-R-A. That's X-I-S-T-E-R-A. What is the Xterra, you ask? Well, the, really the question should be, what isn't the Xterra? Because you see, it's one of those multifunction gadgets, like the Ronco Rotorouter 2 Plus indoor-outdoor home and office foot massager and turnip peeler with 101 uses for the housewife. The Xterra will help you position your iPhone, secure it, illuminate with it, Wrap up stuff with it, position it, create with it, and even pop a bottle cap with it. Now, even though you can do more with the Xterra than with the key prop, it only had a goal of $19,000. Just saying. And of course, because they hit the goal and are over it at $22,000 and growing, you have until June 8th at 11.59 p.m. to pledge the $20 needed to get one. However, if you want the magnetic lens set included, it'll set you back $30. And if you want the Pro Package where you get one Xterra, the magnetic lens set, plus 2X magnetic telephoto lens, and a rechargeable 32 LED light, it will set you back $60. So in summary, the Xterra is a bottle opener, a portrait stand, a portrait mount, a keychain attachment, it has a lens adapter, an earbud wrap, a landscape mount, a landscape stand, and a capacitive stylus. 
just search the link in the show notes for episode 268 titled Xterra in Kickstarter or search over at Kickstarter for X-I-S-T-E-R-A at kickstarter.com. Oops, quick update. They now have $32,000 in pledges towards their goal of $19,000. So they're way above their goal. Again, you have until June 8th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time to get your order in for one of these. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I wanted to let you know about a new crowdfunded car mount from Mount Tech. They are on Indiegogo, not Kickstarter, Indiegogo. This is actually an upgrade to the version they previously released. We own three of the original mounts and absolutely love them. The difference between the Mount Tech and other mounts is that it mounts in your CD player instead of a suction cup or other means. It works well and it stays where you put it. The design is universal, so it works with any phone you might want to try it with, although the new huge Samsung phones might not fit. The current version is a friction mount. The new version uses metal badges that stick to your iPhone with a removable adhesive and rare earth magnets to hold your device in place. The magnets are supposed to be strong enough to work through most cases. The new version also mentions a couple of additional uses such as desktop stand and tripod stand. I'm not sure if the original works that way, but I don't remember seeing it mentioned. They have already reached their funding goal, so no worries about getting one. They expect to ship in July. I debated whether to upgrade or stick with my current mounts. I chose to order the new model. Regards, Myron Yu. Well, thanks, Myron, for the heads up and the review of the N-Groove Snap by Mount Tech. That's N-Groove, one word, Snap, second word, by Mount Tech, which is on Indiegogo which you can find in the show notes for episode 268 over at todayinios.com or by searching at Indiegogo for ngroove, one word. Per their funding goal, it was just $15,000, and as Myron mentioned, they are well past it at over $21,000. You have until Monday, May 27th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time to get in on this. So what did we learn today about startup projects? Your goal amount matters. Two projects are funded, the third project that had the highest goal of all of them and the least amount of functionality, that one doesn't look to get funded. They should have had a goal of $10,000 or 15, as I said, again, to me, it felt like it should have been half of where it was, not 30K. For those of you using the Square payment system and having a physical point of sale, i.e. a store, Square just showed off their latest stand for the iPad. I don't know if latest is correct, their new stand for the iPad with a built-in card swiper. It is $299, that's $299, and it is pretty nice looking. So if your iPad has become your cash register or you are looking to make your iPad your cash register, well, really, credit card register, that is, take a look at Square's new stand for iPad. Link, of course, in the show notes over at Today in iOS for episode 268. And the article comes from us at TechCrunch. Last week, I decided to finally update my computer from Lion to Mountain Lion, or for those that like numbers, from 10.7.x to 10.8.3. While I was waiting for the computer to go through the full upgrade process, I found myself with a little time on my hands and remembered there was an app called SnapGuide I had been meaning to play with and create a SnapGuide. SnapGuides, for those wondering, are short tutorials on how to make something or do something with different things, such as how to make lemon and rose cupcakes, or how to make watermelon mousse, or many other subjects items that have nothing to do with desserts. Well, less than an hour later, or after I'd started, I had created my first Snap Guide, and it's about how to podcast from an iPhone. Imagine that which if you search in the free SnapGuide app, you will find when searching for how to podcast from an iPhone. Or if you look for the link in the show notes by that title, I found the app really easy to figure out and use. One trick I found necessary is that when doing full screenshots for use in a SnapGuide on your iPhone, uh, the top and the bottom gets clipped. So to get the full screenshot to show Place your iPhone down on the table after you've taken the screenshot. Go to the photo album, find the screenshot you want to use, then pinch on it 
on the photo to make it smaller. Pinch and hold. While pinching, use your other fingers to push the home and the power button. Take a screenshot of the shrunk version of the photo. That new photo works great in the Snap Guide. Again, it is a free app, and if you are looking to do some nice, quick how-to tutorials, whether it be how to create a crazy birthday party for a four-year-old or becoming a five-year-old where you're painting palettes and giving out guitars and other stars for cookies and other things like that, honey, you know I'm talking about you. Um, this app works great, and you, the best part is you can do it all from your iOS device. Uh, if you create any snap guides, let me know, and I will mention them on a future episode, like how to wait in line for Star Trek tickets for the midnight showing. That'd be a good snap guide. By the way, if you do get the snap guide app and you search and you find my tutorial on how to podcast from an iPhone, make sure you like it. Thank you. Switching gears, Financial Times is bringing its content to Flipboard, this after pulling it from iTunes recently. Why would they do this? Well, to quote the Financial Times, quote, The issue is not so much a percentage. It's the relationship between the publisher and audience. Paying a 30% finder's fee is okay. Paying 30% in perpetuity and not knowing who the customer is is not okay, unquote. So it was a financial decision made by the Financial Times. Who would have thunk? See, Apple wants to take your 30% over and over and over again. Seems Flipboard is not, and there will be some advertising revenue share as well. So essentially, the Financial Times figures a one-time 30% fee for smaller numbers of sales is, is better than an ongoing 30% cut month after month after month. Even if it is for much more subscriptions, hmm, I think they will find their logic flawed. One would assume the overall audience size for iTunes Store is much more than twice the size of the Flipboard app. So if you are getting over 2x of subscribers via iTunes, even with a 30% reduction forever, 70% is still bigger than 50%, which is the best case scenario and likely not even realistic for Flipboard. But hey, it's a financial decision by the Financial Times. Who am I to argue? Oh, I should also point out, if the Financial Times is willing to make this change, and one of the big things they said was an issue of not knowing who the customers are, that means Flipboard is giving your personal information to the Financial Times. Just saying. Funny thing is, I didn't see anyone pick up on that point of the story yet. Hey, Rob, this is Mike in Orlando with a technical question for you. Have you ever noticed how the new iPhones charge up so much faster than the previous models? Um, I don't know if it's just me or if my old phone was just slow to charge or something, but it seems like the iPhone 5 is ready from like 0% all the way up to 100 in, in just over an hour or so. It's quick. And I haven't really done any real testing of this. It just seems like it's so much faster, and especially compared to the iPad 2. And I, don't, I know it's a different battery and a different connector and all that stuff, but has anyone else noticed this? And do you know why that would be? Mike, I can't really comment too much on the iPhone 5 and how quick it charges up since I don't have one. But if anyone else has one and, and they've noticed it charges faster than the 4S or the 4, you know, please let us know. Per the iPhone 5 versus the iPad 2 and the charging difference there, that's easy to explain. The iPad 2 battery is huge, much, much, much bigger than the iPhone 5's battery. So, yes, the iPads take much longer to charge up, especially the iPad 2 and the iPad 3. The third-gen iPad is even the worst. Uh, the third-gen one and the fourth-gen's battery is even bigger than what was in the iPad 2 because you had to go to the retina display. So it takes even longer to charge up the iPad 3, and you know that takes many hours compared to, like I said, about an hour. I think it's only about an hour for my iPhone 4S to fully charge. As always, you can call in feedback to 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or you can email it to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I agree on your opinion of the latest Samsung ad. I watch a little TV and saw the commercial and felt uneasy and even offended after it was over. Now I realize why. You hit it on the nose on this one. Regards, Jose. 
Hi, Rob. I am in need of a little organization in my life. I want the ability to manage my pics on my iPhone 5 by creating folders on my laptop and syncing them to my iPhone and then be able to move pics to those folders as I take them. If I create folders on my iPhone, I can move pics to them, but the folders will not sync to my laptop. It seems that I can't do this with the iPhone as is. Perhaps you or your listeners can point me to an app that will help. Regards, Frank M. Well, Frank, I'm hoping one of our listeners can help you too. So folks, if you can help out Frank, you have some ideas on how to organize some pictures. If you're doing this yourself, let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send that email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. With the old version of iTunes, when you time out when downloading a podcast, you could click on the resume button and it would carry on downloading where it left off. So at the end, you just had the normal podcast. However, since they have upgraded iTunes, now when it times out when downloading a podcast and you click on the circle arrow, it starts to download the podcast from scratch again, attaches it to the end of the previous attempt. At the end, you listened to the podcast and it plays all of the attempts it made instead of one complete podcast. I have unsubscribed to the affected podcast then authorized my account, removed iTunes from my computer, downloaded the current version, installed that, reauthorized my account, and then subscribed back to the podcast, but it still does it. I have looked at my settings on iTunes, but I can't figure anything for it. Uh, Have I missed something that I need new glasses, or is it a bug with the current version of iTunes? Regards, Greg. Hi, Greg. I have never seen that happen, but maybe someone else has. I tried it, and I couldn't get it to do it. If anyone else has seen this from the latest version of iTunes, let us know and what OS you are using uh, iTunes on as well. So maybe it's something on the PC side, not the Mac side. Hi, Rob. I hope you or your listeners have a solution to my problem. Being in the aviation industry, we sometimes need to inspect narrow spaces. We usually use a device called a boroscopes. Those are small cameras in the front of a rod. They do have small screens that are not very bright, not very sharp in terms of picture quality as well as intelligence, but they do cost a lot of money. Those boroscopes resemble the device that doctors use to inspect your intestines. Um, TMI? You may already notice where I'm heading. Um, Well, I hope this is not where the doctor is heading. Sorry, could not resist. Uh, You and I and many of my collaborators do have very bright and very sharp screens with us. I wonder if there is an app and an external camera to connect to an iPhone or iPad for this function. Regards, Henry in Switzerland. So I'm not sure if I should send this one out to the proctologists in the group or the other aviators in the group. Uh, If anyone knows of an app and a device to connect to your iOS device, that will allow you to emulate the boroscope, let us know. 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG. Hey, Rob, it's Ken from South Jersey. The one category EFF left out is how a company fights for privacy rights uh, in practice. And as we know, Apple uh, doesn't have that insidious relationship of advertising, etc. So uh, they're we know they're very good about privacy. Uh, the fact that in the government disclosure, they fall behind, um, you know, that's kind of a different question. Um, so Google and all these guys making it look like they're for privacy rights because they do certain disclosures relative to government stuff. And yet, selling it to advertisers, etc. That's kind of, uh, I, I think, a second, kind of a backhanded way to appear like you really do care about privacy rights when you really don't. Ken, you make a very good point. Apple may not do very well when it comes to sharing information or sharing too much information with the government and letting you know about it. But they probably do a much, we know they do a much better job when it comes to sharing or lack thereof of sharing of information with third-party advertising people. So it would be neat to see an EFF follow-up post 
on how all those companies do with regards to sharing private information with third parties that you are not aware of, third-party commercial entities, that is, i.e. advertisers. From Boing Boing, there is an article titled, quote, New law will fix the DMCA, making jailbreaking, unlocking, and interoperability legal. Your help needed, unquote. Because you know how Boing Boing likes pithy titles. What this is about is a bipartisan bill introduced to Congress called the Unlocking Technology Act of 2013. Something your great-great-grandkids are likely to read about in elementary school on the 73rd gen iPad minis that they have. One of the key provisions is that it would change copyright law to specify that unlocking cell phones is not copyright infringement. Oh, and the bill also legalizes the tools and services to enable circumvention as long as the tools are intended for non-infringing uses. Hopefully this bill gets through Congress. See the link in the show notes to find out more about how you can support this bill. For some reason, news about the Apple iPad 2 Magnets and pacemakers made the news again. Many reported it as a 14-year-old discovers there is an issue with magnets and the pacemakers, which there very well may be an issue. But what is strange is the same subject was talked about previously because it was brought up in the news back in 2011, right after the iPad 2 came out. Back then, some wondered what type of interaction there would be between the magnets and pacemakers. Here's my advice. If you or a loved one have a pacemaker and you are not sure if placing the iPad 2, 3, or 4 on your chest will cause issues, talk to your doctor. And oh yeah, don't put it or anything else with magnets on your chest. Duh. Honestly, I'm not trying to downplay the potential seriousness of this. I'm just curious why this all of a sudden became big news again and someone's being credited of discovering this when this was talked about two years ago. Uh, a couple of links in the show notes to some things that where people were talking about this two years ago. Hi Robert, this is Paolo Tosolini in Seattle. I have been very interested in the topic of online video, not just from the consumer perspective, but also for business. How can video help companies communicate more efficiently with employees or help them share knowledge internally or just support their external social marketing efforts? Well, I've done quite a bit of research and I've put together a presentation that summarizes how you can use your iOS device to become a communication hero for your organization. What you need is your iPhone or iPad, some cool apps, and a few accessories to capture better audio and video. I just blogged about it on my site tosolini.com that's T-O-S-O-L-I-N-I dot com. And I hope you will find the information useful. Thank you. Paulo, thanks for the heads up on your post. And folks, Paulo is a longtime friend of mine and someone who I really respect on the video side. So if you are in a business where you need to do some video for your company and you want to do it on an iOS device, take a look at Paulo's post. Hey, Rob, it's Brad over in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Man, I got a question for you regarding my iPad third generation. Um, running the latest iOS version for it and uh, running Mountain Lion on my Mac uh, 10.8.3. Every time I go to delete an app on my iPad, it delete, seems to delete fine. But as soon as I sync it with iTunes on my Mac, apparently it doesn't believe that I really wanted to delete the app, so it reinstalls it for me, which is super frustrating. The only way I can delete apps on my iPad 3rd Gen now is I, get to, I have to do it through iTunes and hook up the iPad first, delete it from there, and then I'm fine. Any ideas on what I need to do to correct this? I'd really appreciate it, man. Thanks for the great shows. Appreciate your hard work. See you. Bye. Brad, the first thing I would suggest is taking a look when your iPad is connected to iTunes on your computer. And do you have it set up for your iPad where it automatically downloads any new apps? You may want to disconnect that or turn that selection off and see if that takes care of your issue. If anyone else has had the same problem and has a fix, give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-Boondog, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I currently stream video files to my iPad using Air Video Server, which I love. 
I am cutting up a bunch of old home videos of the kids and uh, the result is a whole load of short video files. What I want is to stream random clips to the iPad, kind of like a moving photo frame. Just wondering if anyone knows of a streaming app that has a random play feature. Thanks for the help, mate. Adam in Brisbane, Australia. And again, if anyone has any help here for Adam, because I do not know of an app like this, give us a call, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to today at gmail.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I would like to tell you about how happy my mom was back on Christmas of last year. Well, I got the idea to get her an iPad mini so she could keep track of me on Facebook and talk to me on FaceTime. I really wanted it so I could see her and make sure everything was going well with her. Before this, I would call her when I was traveling so she would not worry about me. Well, mothers never really stop worrying. Just before Christmas, I was talking to her sister about setting up a FaceTime call on Christmas Day. The main reason they live so far apart, they didn't get to see each other, and they are at an age where travel it wasn't possible for either one due to health and cost. Well, she opened her gift and didn't know what it was. Well, most of the family has iPhones, so everyone was telling her about the many things you can do with it. I had to clear things up because I had restricted most of the apps to keep it as simple as possible. I had unrestricted Facebook, FaceTime, and Photos for now, and I had planned to unrestrict the others over time when she would be able to use them. When I started the FaceTime call on her iPad, she was so surprised to see her sister on the device and could hear her at the same time. Well, both of them were so happy. The iPad got passed around the room and each of the family members could talk to her sister. Apple and FaceTime made it possible for my mother and her sister to get together one last time as my mom passed away this past January. I miss her very much. She was a person that was loved by everyone and was hated by no one. Regards, Thomas in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Thomas, thanks for sharing that story for this past Mother's Day. Hey, Rob, it's Gunner from Chicago. Hey, I'm excited. I finally upgraded my first-gen iPad to the new 128 gig. And I got a question. I downloaded a GarageBand, and my question is, how do I get my programs from my Mac onto the iPad so I can edit it on the iPad? Can I not do that? I thought when they first showed in the keynote, they first introduced GarageBand for the iPad. I thought that was one of the features that you could start editing it uh, on the Mac and finish it on the iPad. Do I have to set up with iCloud? What do I got to do? I tried Dropbox. I tried just dragging the files into the app on iTunes. Nothing. Uh, any help would be... Uh, be greatly appreciated. Help me, Rob. You're my only hope. Hi, Gunnar. This is one of those things that once you figure out how to do it, it's really easy to do. But you have to figure out how to do that. And how you do that is connect your iPad to your iTunes, to your computer via the cable. Open up iTunes. Go to the device under devices. Click on the device. Then go to apps. Then scroll down on the page to where it says file sharing. Then in the list of apps, under file sharing, scroll to where you find GarageBand, tap on GarageBand, then at the bottom, tap Add. You get a pop-up box, click on Music, then go to the GarageBand folder, and then go and find the files or the documents that you want to share with your iPad. That's how you do it. Hey, Rob. My name is Dave. I'm calling from New York. I'm calling in reference to Snow 265, I believe it was. You were talking about the Time Warner Cable app um, that allows off-network content. As long as you're connected to Wi-Fi, as you said, and you were saying that you need to jailbreak, which I wanted to tell you is not quite true. If the person is a Verizon wireless customer, either on their iPad or iPhone, they would be able to view the off-network content on cellular. It's only exclusive to Verizon for six months from when it was released. So it's released in April, six months from that. There may be other carriers that will allow cellular viewing as well as Wi-Fi. So I just want to pass that along to the listeners. Uh, if any of them are Time Warner Cable customers, it will work over Verizon Wireless. I am a Verizon Wireless customer and a TWC customer. So it does work over cellular, but keep in mind that your data will be 
charts, and that will bring it up pretty quick. Uh, love the show. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Congrats to someone or someones for being the 50 billionth downloader and winning a $10,000 iTunes gift card. And for the 50 others that won $500 gift cards, iTunes gift cards, that is. Unfortunately, as the time of this recording, Apple had not yet announced who those winners are and what the apps were that were downloaded for the, or the app that was downloaded for the 50 billionth app. We'll talk about that on the next episode. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback, it can be a question or comment per something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something or someone else. As long as it's iOS-related or app-related or product-related, good or bad, doesn't really matter, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for a new artwork to feature that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on iOS device to play on the show. This is your show and your feedback is greatly appreciated. If you want to know when new episodes go up, look at the TII app, not just as the best way to consume the show, but also as a great way to get a push message when a new episode goes live or there is other iOS breaking news, just $2.99 in the App Store. It helps you get the most out of the show and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really, really easy to email or call the show with your feedback. Again, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. Hey, and speaking of podcasts, by the way, folks, Podcast 411, I recorded a new episode and it will be up by the end of this week. I interviewed Dan Carlin from Hardcore History and Common Sense with Dan Carlin. So if you are a Podcast 411 fan or were a Podcast 411 fan, a new episode will be up by the end of this week. Take a look in your iTunes or wherever else you subscribe to podcasts or if you haven't subscribed to Podcast 411 in a while, please check it out or just go to podcast411.com. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.
we're really puzzled. Uh, here at Gingrich Productions, we've spent weeks trying to figure out what do you call this? Now, I know you probably think it's a cell phone. And if I say to audiences, how many of you have a cell phone that takes a picture, 97% of the hands go up. But think about it. If it's taking pictures, it's not a cell phone. If it has um, a McDonald's app to tell you where McDonald's is from, based on your GPS location, that's not a cell phone. If you can get Wikipedia or go to Google, that's not a cell phone. If you can watch YouTube, that's not a cell phone. Or Netflix. Think about it. This device is something new and different. I've been calling it a handheld computer. But I decided that really was misleading because, you know, while it has the computing power of a 2003 laptop, its real power is not internal computation. Its real power is networking. It's connected to the entire world of information and the entire world of communications. Now, we've been here before. Um, when we first developed the automobile, it was called the horseless carriage. And it took a little while to get a new word for it. Uh, there are times when you have these brand new breakthroughs and you don't quite know how to explain it. The reason this is important and the reason I want your help in figuring out what to call this is its real potential triggers a world of opportunity, of breakouts that are going to dramatically change how we operate, how we solve problems, how we work government. This can be at one level a great health device that allows you to constantly monitor yourself. At another level, it's a great learning device replacing every textbook in the world. At yet another level, it can be a very productive device for getting work done wherever you happen to be, eliminating the concept of in the office or certainly changing it dramatically. And of course, this is just a work in progress. This is this, is this year. The, the first cell phone call was 1973. The first commercial cell phone was 1978. We have been accelerating ever since in the capability of a handheld device. So we'd love to have your ideas and your thoughts. Please leave a comment. What would you call this so that we could explain to people that they carry in their hand literally the potential to have a dramatic revolution in how we get things done and how we take care of our own health and how we interact with our government and how we are productive and I think that we need to have a new conversation about recentering American politics and government around the kind of breakthroughs that this makes possible. So we look forward to hearing from you.